0: All right, let's pray. God, we enter into your courts with thanksgiving. God, as a new year is upon us, we ask you to do a new thing, whether it's in our life, our family, our church, the global church. Lord, we ask you to do a new thing and help us to see it. Even more than that, help us to realize our part in it. God, use us. Use me. Lord, we lift up this morning those who are sick or hurting, those who are unable to make it with us this morning because of illness. God, give them peace. Give them means to worship you. As we know, the church is not just a building. And Lord, we are so grateful for the work that you are already doing. And of course, the work that you've already done. Help us to be appreciative of that. God, help us to maintain a posture that is worshiping you, not just today, but every day of our week, every hour of our day, and with every breath that we take. Worship isn't something you do on Sunday morning, but rather a posture of your life, and help us to walk in that. God, we collectively say that we love you. God, I ask you to do a work in the soul of someone here this morning that doesn't know you for who you are, that's curious about your truth. They're saying, who is this Jesus? Well, God, make it clear this morning, as you so often do. And as that person leaves, continue to provide people in their path that will point them to you consistently, that will be a shoulder to lean on in Jesus' name. And God, remind us that, of course, that tomb is empty. You are not here. You you have risen. As your word says, you have risen indeed. So God, make me become less so that you can become more. It's in your son, Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, Angie. Can you give it up for our worship team this morning? <laughs> Happy New Year. I have to say that because with a new year means you set that resolution to come to church every week of the year, am I right? Yeah. So, so, you know, next year we're jumping back into, next week we're jumping back into 1 Peter and you're going to be here for every week of that that book, right? Amen? Come okay, one more time. Amen? Amen. Yeah, we're going to hold you accountable to that now, okay? Who's going to be here every week? No, 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 no. <laughs> Don't do that to yourself. Well, with it being a new year, so many people, of course, they, they set their resolutions with, with things that they would like to reorganize or, or restructure in their lives. They, they set up a few different things that they would like to do to. To maybe add discipline in certain areas, maybe success in a in a bit from a business aspect or and, and then some even of course provide and set those those financial goals for what they'd like to achieve in the new year. And then, and then February comes and the gym becomes empty again, you know. And everyone that's been going to the gym gets excited because it's back to normal. But as twenty twenty-four started to come closer. My my prayer was for God to give me a word for Hope Community Church. I continually asked God for a couple months leading up to this new year what he would like to do here in our church in Lowell. And as I prayed and I fasted for our church in this regard, there was much clarity that he gave to me. It's a word that kept ringing in my ears and I kept seeing in scripture over and over again. And it's this. You ready? everyone take a deep breath. Simplicity. Simplicity. Can I get an amen, somebody? Simplicity. You know, having having been here for four months, I, I never wanted to make it my intention to cast some sort of vision as to where I believe that the Lord is going to take Hope Community Church. But as I began listening, and as I had lunch and dinner and coffee with so many of you so many times. If there is one thing that I noticed to be consistent, it's that hope is ready to move. And when God calls you to move, what do you do? You move. So as I began discerning what this word meant, God made it more and more clear through godly people and his word that what I'm about to present to you this morning is not something to be taken lightly. But it's also not meant to be a burden. It's not a goal. It's not a proposal. It's what will be the result of fruitful, God-glorifying ministry. And each of you here today, whether this is your first time, you set that New Year's resolution to find your new church, or you've been here for years, you are invited to be a part of this incredible thing the Lord is going to do here. So you're saying, you're on the edge of your seat, like, what is it? Pastor, come on, what is it? But before I get into that, I want to give you precisely, you know, what what he's going to do here. But I also want to walk us through what a godly vision is, what it looks like, and what to expect as we slowly begin to see it come to fruition. It's a beautiful thing. You know, a vision, it's not this this pie in the sky. I I hope this happens and I believe it because I was told by a pastor who needed money for his ministry. That's not what a vision is. A vision is a godly confidence that he is going to do a work for his glory and his glory alone. So if you have your Bibles, and if you don't, there's one in front of you. Turn with me. We're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 6. We're going to be going through 8, and we even might creep into 9. Um, I'm not going to be going verse by verse this morning, but we're going to be getting, you're going to get the point. Uh, Genesis chapter 6, I'm going to read verse 9. Genesis chapter 6, verse 9. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. This is what's important. Noah walked with God. Remember that. Noah walked with God. The first point for this morning is this. Vision is developed by obedience and prayer. Vision is developed by obedience and prayer. God gave Noah a vision to build this ark because he was listening and he walked with God. He was in tune and always seeking to glorify God. Now, of course, this looked a bit different because of the law that was applicable to those living in the Old Testament. But Noah valued his relationship with God above everything else. And the Lord noticed this. You see, it's interesting what you hear when you are intent. It's interesting what you hear when you're really listening. When you are God-focused above everything else, you notice that God is actually at work in the midst of the culture, even when the world begins to question his very existence. When the world sees war, the Christian sees the spiritual warfare that's taking place and the victory that's truly found in Jesus. When the world seems confused by their identity and claims that God makes a mistake in gender, the Christian rests on God's word and provides confidence that God was 100% on point with creating you. When the world tries to contaminate the church, the Christian knows that hell itself can try to infiltrate the church, but it will not prevail because the church is in the midst of Christ's hand. You see, it's interesting what you hear when you are listening and what you see when you're looking. Vision is developed by obedience and prayer vision is developed by obedience and prayer let's look at chapter 6 we're going to keep moving right along chapter 6 verses chapter 7 i'm sorry verses 6 through 10 noah was 600 years old when the flood of waters came upon the earth and noah and his sons and his wife and his son's wives with him went into the ark to escape the waters of the flood of clean animals and of animals that are not clean, and of birds and of everything that creeps on the ground, two and two, male and female, went into the ark with Noah as God had commanded Noah. And after seven days, the waters of the flood came upon the earth. So Noah's listening to God, gets this call from God. God tells him what to do. Noah listens, and they enter into the ark with their family. Point number two is this vision is affirmed by Scripture and God's people. Vision is affirmed by Scripture and God's people. Dwelling in God's word and surrounding yourself with people that are doing the same, it's called fellowship, is the best way to have your vision affirmed and made clear. You know, when God brought to my mind what I'm going to be sharing with you in just a couple minutes, it It wasn't this one-time vision. I didn't see something in the sky and say, yep, that's it. That's what God's going to do. If I was to bring that to you, I would hope you'd be asking a bunch of questions. I'm serious. It was through time in God's Word, listening to each of you, and and sitting across the table from godly men and women, and and getting getting the insight of our counsel here, And then hearing thoughts. And and let me tell you that I was sure that that some were going to have doubts. Some were going to give me pushback. Remember that, Nakia? Do you remember that meeting? I'm like, come on, someone criticize it. Someone give me something. Nothing. So God made it clear. And he continued to make it clear. And as time went by where where I was beginning to have confidence with what God was going to do, he continued to point me here to the story of Noah you know, and let me tell you that I never would have thought that the story of Noah would be the umbrella for a vision. You'd think that I'd go to Ezekiel or, or Daniel or even Revelation. And, but as I'm having conversations with you and go, sitting across the table, and I'm, God kept bringing me back to Noah because of his obedience. That's because vision is affirmed by Scripture and God's people when you are willing to listen. Okay, so let's look at chapter 8, verses 20 and 22. So the rain came, the storm came, the waters rose. God saved his people. God redeemed Noah and his family, gives them life. They get off the boat. The dove goes and returns with the branch. Land starts to show its face again. They get off the ark. Chapter 8, verse 20. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. I'm going to be honest with you, the most important vision is glorifying to God and God alone. Vision is glorifying to God and God alone. As I would bring this need to the Lord and and continue to ask him to make it clear the details of this vision, he would continuously remind me that, that it was for his glory and his glory alone. Now, when this thing begins to come to fruition and we begin to see the momentum so much that it's almost tangible, we must remember who the provider is. Amen. This isn't something that I'm presenting you today for the sake of an ego, or for the sake of the prosperity, but because God has made it clear that this is what he's going to do and he's going to do it. God is going to tell us what he's going to do. He already did. Now, we must lean on it and trust him to make it happen. It's it's a, really a role of stewardship. We get to watch him work. It's freeing. And it shows his grace and his mercy. And remember, remember this. The growth that we will see, it's not, it's not the goal, but it's rather the outcome of fruitful ministry. I'm going to say that one more time, and you're going to hear it a couple more times throughout this message. Growth is not the goal, but it's the outcome of fruitful ministry. So you're saying, okay, Ryan, Enough preaching. What's this vision? What are you talking about? What are you going to present? You're saying, man, you've been here for 10 minutes and I haven't heard a single word about what this vision's going to be. Here it is. Ready? The work that the Lord has made clear to me that he is going to do here is this. He's going to double the size of our church in two years. That's two in two. He's going to double the size of our church in two years. So I'm hearing this and I'm like, Lord, no, 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 no. That's, I'm not a numbers guy. Don't start telling me you're going to grow us in, in size. I want to see growth in depth. Because it's easy that, that once we establish these numerical goals, they, they become the prayer. We start looking around our sanctuary on Sunday mornings and saying, well, where are we at with this goal? That's not the point of this vision. Our goal is to, is that when these people come, how are we going to help them know Christ more? How are we going to deepen their relationship with their Savior? For some of these people, how are we going to help them have one for the first time in their life? It's not about how are we going to get people in here, it's how are we going to steward these souls well. It's not the goal, it's the outcome. God has made clear that this is what He's going to provide, so our goal is to steward these souls well it's going to be an incredible time to be a part of hope as we receive these new people and and we get the opportunity to opportunity to disciple them and help them deepen their relationship with the lord it's going to be a blessing to be a part of so you're saying well that's great news why are they going to come and how are they going to stay that's where mission comes into play. You see, vision is what God is going to do. Mission is how he's going to do it. To answer that question, I want to give you that one word that I said earlier. Do you remember? Please, please write this down. We've got to get this in our minds. Simplicity. Simplicity. Too often you see churches invest money in procedures, processes, and innovation that they lose the truth of the simple gospel in the process. It's interesting. They're developing these processes to get the gospel out there, but they're losing what that gospel is. Hope Community Church is a church where the simple, true gospel is proclaimed and people are going to be loved like never before. And let me tell you, that alone is going to turn heads. In our culture, as, as our culture and the church continue to get away from this true gospel and go down the road of a much more progressive, liberal, false gospel, people that are looking for the truth will find a home here. I said that on my first day. Do you remember that? I said, hold me accountable, so you all remember that, right? But that's where we're going to meet them. People that are looking for truth are going to find a home here. And that's where we will be. We're not going to waver from the proclamation of the truth. We will proclaim the truth by living it out. And we will proclaim the truth by the way that we love one another. So that's arguably the most important part of who we are, worshipers in spirit and in truth. This isn't a Pastor Ryan thing. It's not a deacon or elder thing. This is a hope, community, church thing. And it's a Bible thing. And when it's a Bible thing, it needs to be our DNA as followers of Christ, people of truth. So you heard that there are going to be people that come from other churches, and yes, that's true. We're going to have new people at our church that are not new to the faith, whether they're tired of the same old worship concert that is performed at their church, or or they're believing that their church is not preaching the true gospel, or maybe a lack of genuine community, or a list of other things. Those that are truth seekers will find a home here, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's not church-stealing. It's people that are genuinely having red flags pop up in their mind because where they are, they're not being fed good bread. Also, but there's also going to be plenty of people, and my hope is that there are many people that are, that are going to come here and they're completely unchurched. Maybe they've been hurt in the past by the church and they're just now coming back for the first time in decades. Maybe they've been, never been to church, or maybe they come crawling in our door looking for just a little bit of hope that they heard their neighbor tell them about. Whoever it is, we must love them, and we must accept them. Now, here's where it gets tricky. Being accepting does not mean being all affirming. We're going to hold up to our bylaws... We're going to hold to our doctrine, and we're not going to waver from it. But when people come through our doors, we must have open arms. Why? Because that's what the Lord did for you and for me. My, my uncle said to me, I'm glad I met the Lord before I met the Lord's people. <laughs> he probably wouldn't want me saying that from the pulpit, but <laughs> <Amen>. <laughs> we didn't clean up ourselves first. We didn't put up our Sunday best before accepting Christ as the Lord of our lives. At least I didn't. He took us as we were. And he walked with us as we overcame these hurts, habits, and hang-ups in our life. And we must do the same for Lowell, Indiana, and beyond. So we made it clear that the preaching and the living out of the truth of God's word is going to be what makes us unique. And trust me, I firmly believe that it is. If it's not already, it's going to be a year or two down the road. It's election season. But there are going to be these three pillars on which this all rests. Okay, there's going to be these three pillars on which these all rest. So as you see things come to fruition and you're asking questions, it's going to be plugged into these three pillars. It's very simple. Very simple. Community, discipleship, and evangelism. Community, discipleship, and evangelism. Go back to the number, pillar number one. We're going to continue. Listen to that. We're going to continue to be a church that provides community to our community in Jesus' name. This is something that we are very good at. And my wife and I, when we came here on day one, we could just sense it from a mile away. From potlucks to to game nights, providing a loving community to people that need it is is not only a great way to deepen our relationship with one another, as is biblical, but also makes it very easy to invite someone to church or to a church event. So many times I've heard people come to Hope and, and say that they walked in and they just knew from the second they got here that this is their home because of the way that people loved them. That can't change. That cannot change. Too often churches grow and and they get to a point where you walk in the door and, and you're just another body filling the seats and they say, oh, good, attendance was higher today. That's not our goal here. My prayer is that we can add fuel to this fire by maybe starting new ministries like a young adult group a couple's ministry, and so on. We've, we've become afraid to invest in the community aspect of a church because we begin to say that the church is only supposed to be outwardly focused. But Hebrews 10.25 says this, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. You see fellowship and community in Jesus' name is an essential part of the church and the Christian life, and by doing it well, we will see growth. Though it's an essential part, it's, it's done wrong when you put your focus on it. When all you want to do is just get together with other Christians, you don't want to preach the gospel. That's when it's wrong. The second pillar is discipleship. Discipleship. Here's a, here's a hot-button word. that that every church knows of, but but seldom gets it right. It involves that next step in your walk with Christ. It's it's what comes after church attendance and and puts your faith into action. I'd love to see hope thrive in this area. Noah could have easily heard this word from God to go and make an ark and then just continue to sit and do nothing. Imagine what would have been the case if, if he did that. But instead, he obeyed, and really humanity was saved because of it. Genesis 6.22 says this, Noah did this, he did all that God commanded him. Genesis 6.22, he did all that God commanded him. If we were to do what God commanded of us, the results would be incredible. Don't take my word for it, take his word for it. We wouldn't be having to continuously ask for volunteers. We'd be all in as we reach our community with the gospel. We would be leading small groups and developing relationships with those outside of the church with the hope of bringing them to a relationship with Christ. We would see addictions overcome, marriages healed, and children raised in godly ways. Discipleship is is easy to point a finger at and say, we need to do that, but it's not easy to step into. So what does this look like? Well, my prayer is that we could start discipleship-focused small groups that aren't large in size but rather rich in content. I'd love to see leaders step up to maybe begin a recovery-focused ministry or, or one to come alongside the confused and the hurting that are going to be coming to our church. It's my prayer that if God places... That it's, my prayer, it's been my prayer that God would place this in each one of your hearts. Because discipleship done right is simply a yes to God's call on your life to a deeper, more intimate relationship with Him. It's simply a yes. God, here I am. The last pillar, but definitely not the least, is evangelism. So we got community, we got discipleship, and evangelism. Is that simple? Simple? Say it with me. Simple. Now, people often think, and I I preached on this a few months back, that that evangelism is a gift that only a a certain group of people within the church have. And don't get me wrong, it it is clear that some have a specified boldness. We all know those people. And they have this ability to, to do it more effectively and efficiently than others. But really, we are all called to preach the gospel. You know what the first command was to Noah after he got off the ark? Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. It's repeated in Matthew 28, 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. What we are so often overlooking is that we all have been given the Great Commission. We're all told to go and make disciples. This isn't a group of people in the church that... That this rests on, we're not to point. we're not to point at maybe two or three people or or to the to staff and say, Well, you're paid by the church to do this, so you gotta go and do it. Well, I think Christ would say differently. Every follower of Christ has been given the command to go and make disciples. Now this might not look like going to the street to preach, but it may look like baking a meal for your neighbor. Or mowing their lawn with no strings attached. Or jumping their car battery when they need help. Preaching the gospel looks different for everybody, but the message is the same. Now, if you want to hear more about my heart for, my heart for outreach, you could go back, listen to it. I preached on it, I believe, in like September and October where I really elaborate on that. I'm not going to get into that today, but... But the practical way that this will take place is that all of us need to be participating in evangelism. While the world is rich in content, podcasts, YouTube videos, and all this, a conversation with a friend goes so far. So let's recap. The pillars of hope are this. Community, discipleship, And evangelism on top of these pillars will rest the the preaching and the living out of the truth of God's word. And by staying true to who we are and by obeying the voice of the Lord, we're going to double in size in just two years. And that is really, I firmly believe, that is just the beginning of what the Lord is going to continue to do through Hope Community Church in the years to come. But I can't stress this enough, my friends. And hear this. Attention here, just for a minute. Growth is not the goal, but the outcome of fruitful, God-glorifying ministry that each one of us here get to be a part of. Now you're looking around and you're and you're like, man, what is, what is that going to look like? How, you're going to double in size, man. There's like only about 40 seats open in here. Well, I'm not I'm not the one to say that we are going to finance a new building, but, but something is going to have to change as, as we are quickly approaching our capacity in this building. So I know that there are some here that, that love to give financially to godly missions, and I want to say that we have already opened up uh, what we call our building fund. And if you want to give financially or support, whatever that looks like next, the, the fund is available. You can go online. You can write on your offering envelope, whatever, building fund. Again, not the goal. But our leadership team here, which I'm really ecstatic to, to bring to you, has we've confirmed that we are going to be adding another classroom uh, to the children's wing back here. There's an area that we're going to completely renovate and, and turn it to another classroom, so this way we can continue to invest in the next generation. Now, I know that some of you older people are like, Ryan, please don't be talking about this next generation. What about me? <laughs> don't, don't, don't hear that, okay? We want to invest in the next generation because of the way that they learn and that they develop. And Nakia has been doing a fantastic job back there. And we want to be able to spread these kids out more, so that way they can get more focused discipleship and teaching. We have awesome volunteers. And right now, the way that we have it is like zero to five years old in one room. Correct me if I'm wrong. Zero to three in one room, but then it's four to 12 years old for the next age group we want to separate that so that we can get that more spread out. And as these young families come and bring their kids, as we've already been seeing that their children will be very, uh, that they'll be discipled and with the way that they learn based upon their, you know, their growth and whatnot. You get what I'm saying. So that's going to be going on. Austin, raise your hand. Austin's going to be uh, taking that on. So if you, if you're gifted in the area of maybe knowing how to hang drywall, whatever that looks like, uh, Austin will, will take you and he'll get you signed up for it. So please contact Austin, and that's really, really, really excited to do that. Now, if you'd like in another action item for what you can be doing to to support the ministry here at Hope, there are many. But I want to say this. Your prayers are so much more coveted than any dollar amount or tangible gift that you can provide. Cry out to God and make his presence known here at Hope Community Church when you go about your community witnessing for the sake of the gospel, don't do it with a motivation to get people to come to hope. Do it with a motivation to get people to know the Savior that saved you. So I pray that you feel the freedom to, to take that step. If you feel something that God has placed on your heart that you'd like to see come to fruition here at Hope, our deacons and elders and myself, we are all ears to listen to what you have What the Lord wants to do through you here at our church. Simplicity, community, discipleship, evangelism, all of that under the umbrella of the preaching and living out of the truth of God's word. Easy enough. Hope has a vision. We are on a mission. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the clarity that you have provided, that you have established this church seven years ago now, six, seven years ago. And to see that you are continuing to use those that are faithful to be a witness to you. God, we ask that this vision isn't really the goal, but it truly is the outcome of fruitful ministry that we're seeking to glorify you above all else, that we are totally in step with your spirit. And God, we ultimately are just utterly grateful for who you are, for your gospel, for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to earth to die on the cross for our sins, but not just dying, rising again three days later so that through faith in him, we can have eternal life. It's in his name we pray these things. Amen.